Can we walk this road together? I can't travel it alone. I need someone beside me to help me find my way back home. Hello, this is Dan Prinzian, Executive Director of the Wasmus Center for Human Rights in Boise, with Adam Thompson. Hey there. Welcome to Voices of Idaho. Today we're talking with Trina Finlay-Ponce. Now we know Trina as Corporate Diversity Inclusion Program Manager. Petrina was also one of our faces of Idaho, and we know there's more to Trina than just that job title. Trina, how would you identify yourself? Um, I think first of all, I would um, identify as uh, Salish, as a member of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes in Montana. I'm also a college graduate with an undergraduate degree in social, social psychology and an MBA, and a veteran of the U.S. Army Reserve. Um, and a mom of two. See, we always so appreciated that within the Faces of Idaho series, we recognize that when I see you, I don't know you. There's so much to the individual story. Well, that's been the concept even behind the podcast, Voices of Idaho, because there are stories to be told. There's more to the person. And of course, in our concept, each person has a face and a voice. They are an individual and part of a much larger story. Well, Trina, we've been talking on the podcast about the spiral of injustice. It's how the center frames how do we look at, whether we're talking historically or about contemporary events, how do we frame injustice? That there are, as we have seen and researched, there are levels in the spiral, how injustice devolves in a community. Is there a piece of the spiral that kind of resonates with your story? Um, yeah, I would say um, probably two different elements, uh, language, and actually three, language, discrimination, and violence. How so? Um, I, I'd like to share a story from when I was a kid in elementary school. Um, my parents moved around quite a bit when I was in elementary school, which meant that I went to a variety of different schools. Um, each of those schools were kind of different in their own way, but something that was really common in all of them was that I was often the uh, one of only a few Native American students. Um, and I found that in each of those schools, there was also a lot of prejudice as it related to Natives. Um, and so I'll just share a couple of examples. The first one um, was when I was in third grade. <clears throat> and I was, uh, our class was going on a field trip. And everybody was super excited. We were going to a field trip at a museum. And the children all loaded up on the bus. And we pulled up in front of the museum. The bus um, parked right in front of the front doors of the museum. And all of us unloaded, um, and we were very eager to get inside. And so we were kind of pressing up against the front doors. Um, everybody wanted to be the first one in. Um, and we're all kind of pushing together. And all of a sudden, I heard one of the girls say, Ooh, don't touch her. Her skin is dirty. And I turned around to see whose skin is dirty and realized that everyone was looking at me. 
Um, and students kind of started to step away from me. Um, and so there was a lot of space between me and everyone else. And then she used a derogatory term that's used um, toward Native American people who are of mixed race. And she said, they're the worst kind. Um, and so that was a really difficult day for me. I was super excited to go to the museum, but after that, I really just wanted to go home. Um, I tried to, you know, put on a, a happy face and, and still make the most of the day because I knew going home wasn't an option. Um, the second event happened when I was in the fourth grade, and, and these events are kind of representative of my elementary school experience, but they're just two examples. But the second one happened in, when I was in fourth grade, and our teacher had um, hall passes. There was one for boys and one for girls, and only one girl was allowed out of the classroom at a time, or one boy, and one boy at a time. And so there was a day when I took the hallway pass and had gone to the library to check out a book. And I was bent down um, in one of the aisles looking through the books when kind of out of the corner of my eye or with my peripheral vision, I saw a group of girls coming from my classroom entering the library. And as soon as I saw them, I knew there was going to be a problem. And so I stood up and as they approached me, they started to rush towards me and they were pushing me and um, they pushed me down. And the aisle, at the end of the aisle, was the desk where the librarian sat. And as I fell back, I turned and looked towards her desk, and she and I made eye contact for a brief second. And then she got up and left her desk. And she was no longer in where I could see her. And the girls held me down, and one of them stabbed me in the arm with a pencil. And how many years ago, and it's still very real? Uh, yeah. Uh, like 40, over 40 yeah. years ago. And I actually still have um, lead in, in my arm where you can see uh, where the pencil was. Yeah, what you have just so framed for us, you know, so much at the core in the Wasman Center program, we talk about, first of all, why words matter. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about you. I was raised with that old adage, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Ball. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> words hurt. Right. And, and we know that. Words matter. Mm -hmm. But then when we couple, when we have so marginalized or demean, mm -hmm. in the spiral, we see how it can devolve to violence. Yes. And so here was a small elementary child, and who was there for you? Who was there in that moment in the school mm -hmm. to be an upstander? Right. So I, I think um, at the time, it didn't feel like there were upstanders, either other students in my classroom, and it felt like for the most part, teachers looked the other way. Um, so that's partly why as an adult in my adult life, it's been important to me and it's a passion for me to be an upstander, not just on behalf of the native community, but all uh, diverse communities, all folks who are marginalized in some way. This is Kerrigan Moeller's Human Rights to All. We say everyone is free, but that's not always the case. It's hard to open your eyes and see not everyone is free in this chase. The chase of human rights for all, only a few people will win this race. For the race is like a ball. 
the ball bounces in pace. When someone gets it, their color matters. They don't have the right color, the ball is taken. The game is rigged, my friends and fighters. The man of color is not given the ball, but shaken. The ball is not theirs to keep. All they are to you is sheep. As we identify the role of an upstander, those who are going to be willing to speak out, step up, to interrupt this spiral, events out of your own childhood, events now as a professional, working in diversity inclusion, you also identified you're a mom of two. Yes. How does this frame how you're raising your children? That's a great question. So for me, first of all, I um, want my children to grow up with a strong identity of who they are as Native people, to understand their history um, from the Native perspective, and to have a sense of strength and pride in that and who they are. Um, And I want them to feel empowered to speak up on behalf of our own community but I also want them to be upstanders and people who are willing to be that first person to step forward and say, this is not okay, regardless of what words or discrimination or violence is being targeted at any community of people. Um, So my proudest moment is when I see them or hear about them having done that. Those moments when someone is empowered when somebody looks them in the eye and needs help, that they don't turn away. Yes, exactly. That somebody steps up. That somebody recognizes there's a community here for me. Right. We, we talk a lot in the memorial. Once we expanded with the addition of the Maryland Schuler Classroom for Human Rights, that and the statue of Anne Frank is no longer sitting at the margin in the memorial. She's mm-hmm. now encircled in the memorial that literally the memorial wraps around the statue. We've said now in our own experience, maybe now Anne will feel safe, that she can come out of hiding because she recognizes that she's being embraced by a community. Well, as we know, the memorial has many messages within it. The quotes that are etched in the stone have their own power in the words. Is there a particular quote that speaks to you? Yes, there's a quote by... Uh, Amy Trice. Amy was chairwoman of the Kootenai tribe. Uh, Her quote is, If not me, then who? I have something to do, and it has to be done now, or tomorrow may not come for me and my people. Trina, thank you. Thank you for sharing a story with us. Thank you for adding a voice to our community. It's why we as the center will continue to echo Not in my town, not in my state. Idaho is too great for hate. With you right here beside me, we'll find our home with peace again.